Welcome to the Sword and Song Podcast. Here, Montana pastors Jonah Barnes, Ted Sutton, and Flynn Ayers discuss issues that build up the church and defend her from the enemies of the faith. That the glorious gospel song will be heard throughout Earth's remotest bounds. Hey, welcome back to Sword and Song. We are back in the studio. And I, <laughs> we don't have a studio, but. <laughs> cold office, basement offices. Cold, very cold. Yeah, very cold right now. Although we're in uh, sunny Missoula at this point. We're still in the high 20s right now, but it's the cold weather is coming for sure. So oh, I forgot to mention, of course, we already, I know it already says that in our, in our intro, but. Uh, I'm Pastor Flynn, and I'm talking to Pastors Jonah and Ted. Hey, guys. And Ted, oh, oh there we go. Okay. <laughs> How's it going, Ted, brothers? We may not be, we, we, uh, it, it, um, there's a lot going on in Ted's studio right now. So <laughs> <laughs> if we hear music playing and, and things like that, that, uh, that's all Ted's fault. So, yeah. I meet, I meet, uh, my office is a, we meet, our church meets at a school and I have an office where we meet, which is at the school. And sometimes it gets a little noisy background, uh, wise. So, uh, from time to time I mute my, um, my zoom so that you guys don't have to hear the, the background. Uh, but if you do, that is why. So I apologize. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if we have, I think we have, I think most of our listeners are from our own congregations, but we have folks listening from, from other states. I believe, I think we have, I think Jonah, you had mentioned, we have some folks yeah. listening even from Ireland, but um, so just so you guys know what cold means though. <laughs> so the, the highs over the next few days are going to be like four and five below. So <laughs> oh, yeah, where I where I live uh, tomorrow, where I live in Montana City, the high is minus 12. <laughs> so just just so everybody has a, understands what we mean by cold. It's cold. Wow, that's that's going to be your high. Oh, wait. Nope. Sorry. It's been updated. Uh, minus 17 tomorrow. Oh, my. As, as your as your high, Jonah. Yeah. Yeah, wow. we're gonna we're gonna that's... get that wood stove just blazing. We're gonna. <laughs> what's your what's your low? Uh, minus thirty one. Oh man, that's, that's last cool. year. Last year, um, well, twenty twenty two, I should say. Um, our the thermometer on our deck registered at minus forty six. Wow! Oh. Wow! Yeah, that was that's the coldest I've ever seen it where we live. The, yeah, it gets that cold. Yeah, the we... fabric. The fabric of our world begins to change. So that's minus forty-six uh, without wind chill. Yeah, that was a cold day. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, wow. and we we have goats uh, and and chickens. So I've uh, this morning I, I went and tried to make sure that our goats. I brought all their their food and hay and everything and 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 put it in our kind of in a, a little area that's that's a little bit more sheltered and and warm for them. Uh, whether or not they they stay there, that's up to them. They're not very smart animals, so um, they they 
oftentimes don't realize that that's what I've done to keep them warm and, and they go out. So hopefully they, they stay. Um, All right. Well, uh, it's nice and warm, though, inside, actually. So that's good. Hey, our topic for today is um, very close to all of our hearts. And it's uh, an important topic. And it's something easily to take for granted because we literally do it every single Lord's Day. And that is covenant renewal worship. Now, um, I'm going to do just I'm going to talk just a little bit on the introduction, but then I'll basically going to turn it over to Jonah and Ted on what is what is covenant renewal worship first you know we'll talk about that first of all what it is without saying hey well just come to church it's what we do <laughs> that's you'll get it that's what we do but the term covenant renewal is relatively new actually uh and uh a lot of the work on what what we would call you know our covenant renewal that 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 phrase was started by Jim Jordan in the early 80s or uh, in the 80s and 90s and then uh, Jeff Myers wrote a a wonderful book called The Lord's Service, uh, which is, was my introduction to what we're calling covenant, what covenant renewal. But if you're somebody who's studied uh, the history of liturgy, and I actually, I shouldn't say I, I haven't studied the history of it, but I did just get done reading a, a really good book called Worship, Reformed According to Scripture by Hughes Oliphant Old. I don't mm -hmm. know if you guys are familiar with that, mm -hmm. but he covers, yeah, yeah he talks, he, he covers the different aspects of our worship service uh, all the way from uh, uh, biblical times through the early church, through the middle ages and up until now. And so even though our term covenant renewal is new and there's some aspects, there's some understanding uh, I think about worship that has you know, that has been uh, matured as the word I would use that has been matured in recent decades. Uh, but by and large, what we do is what the church has been doing <laughs> from the beginning uh, in very, you know, varying different forms. And of course, the, the Oliphant Old book uh, talks about how the, you know, describes how the Roman Catholic Church in the West, which is where you know, our the Reformation is reforming the Roman Catholic Church, the Western Church, but the Eastern Orthodox Church as well has has their liturgy as well. How these how those old, those liturgies began to deviate, you know, from from what was biblical, and the Reformation was just you know super instrumental in bringing the the worship of the church uh, not only back to something biblical, but also moving it forward, maturing it. Uh, to something that basically is what we do today. So I looked through the Genevan liturgy not too long ago. I mean, this is the Calvin's liturgy in Geneva. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's it's pretty much what we do, right? <laughs> it's uh, and so um, not just so we, not, covenant renewal worship doesn't mean we just sing the old songs. Uh, we are actually uh, a part of a liturgy that is the history and the tradition of the church. And and the Reformation was able to wean out or you know cut off some of the unbiblical doctrines that had gotten gotten into the church through the papacy uh, and the Roman Catholic Church. So so okay so uh, so that's the big question. So what is then covenant renewal worship or what is or even liturgy 
and I, you guys, we don't have a buzzer, so like if you guys hit the buzzer, you get to go first. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll let you go, Jonah. So I was we, we in our kind of every time uh, we podcast together, we kind of spend a few minutes just prepping a little bit. Uh, our pregame. Yeah, our pregame exactly our pregame discussion to warm us up, and and I was. Uh, letting everybody or letting the, the, my two brothers know that you know they probably have a much greater understanding of covenant renewal worship than I do. Um, I'm uh, coming in, into the CREC. I'm, I'm one year now in the the CREC. Um, so yeah, I will defer kind of to you, Jonah, um, throughout the podcast. Um, I will certainly chime in. Um, from time to time, but I will yeah. you know, defer to you. So, Jonah, before you answer, I, I do want to talk briefly just the logistics of having a buzzer. I really, especially if I'm a, <laughs> if I'm if I'm leading it, I would love to have a buzzer somehow. So that, like, we need you... we need to we need to get one before we have someone. We 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 had talked about having a guest on the show. Yeah, I would love to have a buzzer. Meh, wrong. Thanks for playing. I say, like, do you need a buzzer so you can silence me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, you did let me know. I'm so I'm so uh, non uh, technical with this stuff. You did, Jonah did let me know that I am kind of the master of of the Zoom call here. So I could you there's could all kinds of tools. There's all kinds of tools out. here. I didn't even realize. But all right, no, Jonah, go ahead. What is covenant renewal? Well, that that's a good question. But I wanted to start with what is liturgy. Is that yeah, okay? Actually, that that good point. Um, liturgy is. The way that I define liturgy, and I probably stole it from someone somewhere, um, is the order of events. That's that's liturgy, the order of events that you observe. Um, you know, there's and liturgy can apply to more than just a worship service. You know, there's a the liturgy of a marriage ceremony. There's a military liturgies, uh, order of marching, and uh, Ted, you could probably talk about that. But um, there's just there's liturgies all over the place. It's an order of events observed. Your day. Your day is a liturgical day. You wake up, you go to the bathroom, you brush your teeth, you eat, you make coffee, you eat breakfast, you go to work, you know, you know, and then you do it again the next day. Uh, and that is an order of events. And so when we talk about liturgy in the church, you know, every church has one. The churches that say that they're non-liturgical, in my mind, that just means they don't give much thought to how they worship God. Yeah. And yeah, they, and they still do the same thing every Lord's Day. They, right? they still do it. They'll say they're not the liturgy liturgical. is two parts. It's right. basically two. That's basically yeah. And the church, the uh, communion of churches that I was in before this, you know, we would have we would have two songs. We would have the sermon. We would have special music played for the for the offering, and then we would have one song at the end of the service, and that was it. Um, but it was the same every Sunday. And so everyone has a liturgy and you can't escape it. If you have somebody leading on Sunday morning or somebody even to pick the time that you meet, you know, you it's liturgy. Mm -hmm. And we are under the impression that the way in which we worship God ought to be informed by what he desires our worship to look like. And, and, they, and he has done that. He has showed us what uh, members of the covenant are to do to worship him rightly. And so the, the language of covenant renewal worship comes from the understanding that we're covenant members 
God is our covenant God, and he's placed us in relationship with himself. And so how do you approach the holy, holy, holy God as a member of his covenant? Um, this also goes back to what we think the Lord's Day worship actually is. You know, it's, it's not a hangout time. It's not a country club. Uh, we're coming before the holy God of the, you know, the creator of the cosmos. We're coming to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in his royal court. Um, through the veil of Jesus' flesh, we enter into the most holy place. This is a very joyful, but very serious matters. Yeah. And so as we approach God, we want to do so in a way that pleases him. And so when we think about that, that's the covenant aspect of it. Uh, the renewal aspect comes into play because, well, from Monday to Saturday, guess what? We broke covenant. We sinned. We disobeyed. Uh, we become unclean. We we imbibe the, the leaven of Egypt. You know, we we take upon ourselves the filth of our own sins and the filth of the world. And when we come back to worship God, we need to confess those things. And so we, re we renew covenant with God through his means and his, and his sacrifice and offering of his son. And so we renew that. We confess our sins together. Um, and uh, we, in a way, you know, we are, we are restored into the status of grace and favor. Right. Because we've right. broken covenant. And, you know, something like this comes from the gospel, uh, the gospel, of John, uh, the first epistle of John. In uh, chapter one, you know, verse seven, he says, if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. And we believe that. And so we, we come into worship and we renew covenant with God by confessing our sins together. Yeah. And through that, we receive his pardon. Um, so that, that's the renewal aspect. We do it week by week. Uh, it's a continual reminder that we need the grace of God for our life. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would. Yep. I would. I would interject that. Um, you know, where's your buzzer? I know. I should. Yeah. Um, no, no. I do, I don't want to buzz any of that. That's all awesome, awesome stuff. I, I was just going to interject that there is an aspect we can confess our sins, and we we we're called to do that. And exactly as Jonah said in First John, if we say we have no sin. We make him a liar. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We can do that because uh, Jesus is faithful. He is our mediator. He's the mediator of the new covenant. So there's this, and he's a man. He's fully man and fully God. So there's a sense in which the new covenant can never be broken. So when Jonah says we break the covenant, yes, we do. But the new covenant is not broken because we are in christ and so the only christ is not sacrificed again the only way that we can get back into that favor you know back into favor with god is through con confession of sin and through forgiveness of sin and our worship service is a is a part of that renewal every, right. sing, every single week where we affirm we affirm and, and, the, and the service itself affirms that we are in the body of christ mm -hmm. uh and so but but yeah that I don't want to jump ahead. Uh, we can we can no, go that's, back that's to good. how uh, that works. That, that's good because we don't we don't want to confuse our liturgical service, uh, say with the corruption of the Roman Church's view of the liturgical service. Right. We're, we're not uh, 
we're not sacrificing Christ again or um, re-crucifying him or anything in that regard. And it's just like we're not being baptized again. Right. right? It, it's it's done. And that's why the first John um, 1, 1, 7 is so important, because when we come to God in confession, we, we corporately confess our sins together. He, he promises to forgive us. But then John also says to cleanse us. Right. So Christ does not need to be sacrificed again and you don't need to be baptized again. Right. The way the way that you appropriate those things in your life is through faith and repentance. Yeah. So the sacrifice of Christ is mine and I am cleansed uh, through baptism. And then those things are applied to me. And um, is it the the Westminster says, you know, we improve we improve upon our baptisms. They, yes. <laughs> you know, it's a yeah. continual aspect of your life, all all your life. And you improve upon it, or you, um, what would be another way to phrase it? You apply it, or, uh, um, you know, it becomes a recognition and a reality of your life upon continual confession. Um, so we don't need to be rebaptized. Um, we're not presenting or representing the body and the blood, crucifying the Lord again, you know, none of that. Right. But it's a, it's a confession of faith. That through the death of Christ and through the cleansing waters of God, we are forgiven and cleansed. So, yeah. so yeah, that, so I, that's. I, I, the, go ahead. No, I was just gonna. I, I was going to. Uh, you can continue your thought, but I was gonna say. Um, I think it's important when we get back to. So the practical, once we get started on the practical, or before we get started on the practical aspect of it, you know, how do we draw near? I wanted to reemphasize what you said about drawing near. Um, all of those laws we read about in the, you know, in Exodus with the tabernacle and all of that stuff, you know, you get to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, you can do that, is because God was going to be with his people now uh, in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. And all of those, all of those um, laws and guides and things that they had to do were all about how to draw near to God without getting killed. <laughs> because right. because he's holy and we're not and of course we have examples of guys that failed to do that right off the bat right with nadab and abihu they didn't do it right and they got right. they got burned so um that that aspect of how do we draw near to the lord uh is still an important part of new covenant worship we can't we don't just come to the lord willy-nilly in every you know, any way we want. The Lord has given us, as you said, the Lord has given us direction. We have a lot more freedom. We have a lot more flexibility in the new covenant because um, the Lord, because of the sacrifice of Christ, because of his death and resurrection, the fact that he has sent the Holy Spirit and he's ruling from the throne has changed a lot of things, obviously. Um, and, uh, but that doesn't mean we just do whatever we want. I, I mean, we, we need to follow, we, we want to be in, we want our worship practice to be informed by the scripture because Hebrews says we, we're, we're not coming to the mountain anymore that can't be touched. Every Lord's Day by faith, we're brought up into the actual throne room, uh, Christ as our head uh, of the heavenlies. And that is, you know, that that's you mentioned it's, it's a it's a solemn thing. It's a rejoicing thing. It's a you know, it's something to take seriously. Uh, so um, what we do in our worship is important. So. Anyway, right. drawing near, we're drawing near. I think that's 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 the key. How do we draw near? Yeah, and and because we're drawing near, 
to God, and he has a prescription on how you do that. You know, the, the old covenant law, there's a prescription on how you draw near to God. Um, we overlay that that prescription in the new covenant through the sacrifice of Christ. So when we say something like, Jesus has fulfilled the law, usually what people mean by that is he was perfectly obedient, right? Uh, and which is true enough, but Jesus also fulfilled the law and that he is the purification offering and that he is the ascension offering. He is the peace offering. He is the tribute offering. Jesus is all of those things from the law because the blood of bulls and goats in the old covenant shadows pointed ahead to the substance and reality, which is Jesus. Right. So when that when that fulfillment of the law has come, the fullness of it has come in the person of Jesus Christ, you look back at the purification offering and you, you say, to approach God, I need to be forgiven of my sins. But now we don't do it with a lamb or a turtle dove or whatever. Now we, we come into the, approach God's throne room through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. So when we when we're called to worship, we we offer up our purification offering, which is the death of His Son for us, and in God and Jesus's name we confess our sins. There's our there's our purification offering, yep. right? He because He fulfills that. We don't need to bring the blood of animals anymore, and and so He fulfills the rest of the law, um, which we can talk about the structure of covenant renewal worship. But the, when we say Jesus fulfills the law, we also you know people will point to. Um, baptism is the fulfillment of circumcision, which it is, but baptism into Christ is also the fulfillment of all the cleansing laws. Right. Right. We we don't we don't come to to the service anymore to be sprinkled with the blood of a red heifer with a hyssop branch and ashes, you know, dipped which in is water. A good thing. We don't do that. We've been <laughs> baptized once into Christ. We we confess our sins, and John says, and you're cleansed. Right. So. Uh, he fulfills all of those things, not just the perfect obedience. Um, and so that that's where we, when we think about how do we approach God in worship, like you said, Flynn, we don't come in our own devices. God has prescribed his worship, and he's fulfilled the requirements of that sacrificial worship through the death and through the death of his son. And that then is applied to us as Christians in the worship of the Lord. Right. Um, one of the one of the aspects of covenant renewal worship, which the regulative principle guys would like, um, is that every aspect of our liturgy is informed by the Bible. Right. Yeah. So I think I'm talking too much, but someone else no, can no, say something. Yeah. No, so, no, no. I think I, I, let, let's do structure. You mentioned structure. Let's let's get practical. Why do yeah. we have, what is the structure we, we have and why do we, why do we do those things? Yeah. How is it informed by scripture? What we well, do before we, before we jump to that, I, you know, sure. I, I really appreciated what you said um, about um, kind of what, what covenant renewal isn't right. It's not because um, I think a lot of times people have, you know, they hear the word, well, first of all, you know, we're, we're Presbyterian. So the word covenant is, is thrown out there a lot. Uh, but the, the word renewal has kind of a connotation to it that might suggest, you know, uh, we sin and therefore we're out. 
we're, we're on the outside and now we have to do something to get back on the inside. And therefore we, we have like this idea, you know, this renewing God, God has to renew our membership, <laughs> right? Like we, we failed. Um, therefore he needs to renew our membership and this happens on a weekly process, but that's not, that's not quite the, the understanding of uh, renewal, um, renewing, renewing in scripture, in scripture, is kind of somewhat tied to uh, remembering, re re remembering and um, reconstituting. Not not in a you you've fallen out and you need to come back in, but in a you you are being reconstituted, recleansed to 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 go forth already still in the same state that you're in, but but able to be renewed in that sense. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always fascinated by, um, by how God commands his people to invoke God to remember. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and it's like, well, God is, God doesn't have amnesia. Um, that's not, that's not us telling, uh, you know, God to, to have to remember something that is, that's covenantal language of of the kind of relationship that we have as God's people to invoke God's presence and to call God to action. Right. God has promised to be a God to us and to our children. And therefore, we are to invoke him as the promise making and promise keeping God. We are to say, God, you have made these promises. So act. Right. And and that's what he tells us to do. He he tells us to 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 have that kind of relationship with him. Mm -hmm. uh, and and so we need we need to do that. The other thing too, um, and this maybe will will segue us back into um where we're going, which is structure. Um what what I always find funny about, you know, kind of modern evangelical uh and modern evangelicalism is um, you know, the, the, the no creed, but Christ, no liturgy, but the liturgy that we have, <laughs> um, it, again, it gets back to it's, it's not whether, but which, um, you, you have a liturgy, modern evangelical liturgy is for, for praise. Oh, we're losing, we're losing Ted a little bit. Nope. He, he actually um doesn't stutter like that so no. <laughs> well, oh there he lost oh he's back he's back you, you said you left off with modern evangelical liturgy is four praise songs that's what you said yeah, yeah four praise right. songs uh am i are you still can you still hear me yep. yeah you're good okay four praise songs a 15 minute sermon homily whatever and four more praise songs um right that's that's kind of can you guys still hear me yep okay that's, i'll buzz i'll buzz <laughs> yeah that's kind of the that's kind of the modern evangelical liturgy um and then right and similar to the no creed but christ which is which is a creed right that's a creed um, yeah and what and the problem is what christ yeah it, exactly um and so you know we we want to yeah, we want to be informed by scripture. That's that's true. RPW, we want we want to our our worship practice needs to be um 
formulated and regulated by God and what God has commanded. Um, but we also ought not to reinvent the wheel. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is, it, which is kind of funny because that's really what modern evangelicals do. They reinvent the wheel um, in try their, their service, their liturgy is novel uh, yeah. because it, it's not a liturgy that you will ever see or find anywhere in the church. I think uh, part of the the impetus for modern evangelical worship is not the pleasure of God or his glory, but the potential stranger walking in off the street. Right. Right. So how can we how can we how can we have an order of events that would be acceptable to anyone? Yeah. They walk in that would be attractive to them. And our, you know, when an Egyptian wandered into Israel and walked by the temple, you know, he'd be, he might, he might think this Yahweh is weird and I don't want any part of him. Or he might think this is the most glorious thing I've ever seen. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, and you know, Paul says in first Corinthians, you know, that our worship ought to be done orderly and decently. Right. Yep. Uh, but where does that order come from? And then he says, when, when men, when sinners come into the congregation of the saints, they ought to fall on their faces. It ought to be so different than anything else they've ever experienced that it ought to shock them. And, yeah, uh, and if, if the Lord has drawn them there, right, where we believe in the sovereignty of God, then they will. Yeah. Right? And no, great, one, no one gets manipulated into the kingdom of heaven. Remember, remember that great <laughs> phrase uh, from Sproul, the, the late great R.C. Sproul? He's, he's talking about modern evangelicalism, and he said, what you win someone to the church with right. is what you win them to. Yep. You yeah, know, well, we started going to this church because we love the praise band. That's what you won them to. So what happens when your praise band is is no longer a thing? You know, do, do you lose the people then? So what, yeah. what you win them with is what you win them to. Yeah. And, uh, and that well, and, and even if even if you don't lose the praise band, they're not one to Christ, right? And so you have this majorly shallow Christianity, in some cases, not not even Christianity at all, in my opinion. In some, yeah. I mean, in some extreme cases, yeah. But, well, and and there's a there's a connection between uh, preaching and liturgy, preaching in the order, uh, right. and so oftentimes when you see when you see the order of the service neglected and and modernized and you know the the idea is we want to attract people with the order of service well then you're going to do that with the preaching as well um you're going to do that with with the sermons and so now now it's ted talks and not uh proclaiming the word of god um as a herald and as a um as a prophet, right? There's a prophetic ministry that ministers have to proclaim Christ in the word. Um, and, and so, but, but you're to do that in the order of service as well. Um, you're not just to do that in the preaching. Uh, the whole thing is to be a proclamation of Christ and his word. Um, and so that, that kind of leads us into where we were moving, which is, okay, so so then what are those elements? What are those those parts to the service that we are to have? Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe maybe we can start. Um, okay, well, actually, well, let's just let's just start there. What are those elements um, that that covenant renewal worship um, has? 
You're the... Uh, well, uh, go ahead, Jonah. I'm leading, so I have to let you speak. <laughs> Thanks for being a good leader. No. <laughs> well, the, the simplest layout is uh, in a five-fold structure. It's a call to worship, confession of sin, consecration to the Lord, communion with God, and then uh, commission or a benediction. But I just use the word commission because it alliterates. So yeah, we call it the five C's. The five C's. Yeah. Call, five C's. Call, confession, consecration, communion, commission. And those all come from scripture, the call to worship. And no one approaches God apart from his calling them to. So when you look in the old covenant, you were to arrive um, at the ascribe, at the prescribed feast days, according to God's word. You're to come into the solemn assembly every Sabbath, according to God's word. God is the one who calls his covenant people to him. And we are not to neglect the gathering of the assembly of the saints. On the first day of the week, the day of resurrection, God calls us to him. So that's the call to worship, um, the confession of sin. That's uh, the next step, which is in the law, the sin offering or the purification offering. These are all, this is in Leviticus 9, if anybody wanted to go read the structure. Uh, Leviticus 9, and it, you have the sin offering in which the worshiper comes and offers blood for atonement. And then there's the, we call Again, it. That's, that's the concept of approaching. We're now we're approaching. Yeah, we're, we're drawing, we're drawing to, right. We need to be cleansed. And we do that in corporate confession. We kneel for the confession of sin. Uh, come and let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Right? We we physically kneel <laughs> and we confess our sins together as his covenant. Do you guys people. kneel, Ted? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we, we do too. Well. We do too. And then there's um, the consecration, which in which we are formed and um, made into living sacrifices by the word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, right? It cuts us up. Um, we this is where you usually have the reading of the word. We we have an Old Testament, New Testament reading and the preaching of the word. And in this consecration, it's this relates to the ascension offering, or what your Bibles mistranslate as the whole burnt offering. That's another podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> this is when this is when the worshiper or when the animal, remember in the law, the animal, its blood is spilled in the slitting of its throat. Right? That's that's for the sin offering. But then the animal is placed on the altar fire. That's good. You want to be on the altar fire of God. You know, your sins are forgiven, and now you're in God's fiery presence. And when you're in God's fiery presence, you ascend into the glory cloud and smoke. Right? So after the confession of sin, what we say, lift up your hearts. We're ascending into God's presence. And when you're in God's presence, um, you're made more like him by his word. Uh, and so that's the ascension offering. And, of course, we only ascend to God. Because Jesus sits at his right hand. As you said earlier, Flynn, he, or, or Ted, he is our head. We're, we join him in corporate worship. Uh, he is the God-man. And then there's um, the communion, which would relate to the peace offering in Leviticus 9, in which God's people share a meal. They are to partake in the, in the eating of the sacrifice offered. And we do the same thing. Jesus is the Lamb of God, and we partake in his body and blood. And and this is part, and then on top of the peace offering in the law is the tribute offering. Mm -hmm. So for us in our liturgy, right before communion, we have tithes and offerings mm -hmm. where we present our ourselves 
and the token of our tithes as a living sacrifice to God, that he would receive our labors in this world as our service and worship of him. And we bring a representation of that in the tithe according to his word. That's the tribute offering, which is placed on top of the peace offering, which is communion. We have peace with God and one another. This is the uh, climax of worship. The, the modern church sees the climax of worship being a sermon or a lecture, but covenant renewal. Or worship. worship. Or, or, or the singing, depending on your or the, uh, yeah. or the emotional high. Yeah. <laughs> but we see the we see the climax and the purpose of the whole thing uh, being restored to God and to one another in peace. And then there's the commission, the benediction, where we are sent back out into God's world uh, to faithfully work for His kingdom, to seek first His kingdom and righteousness. And then as we fail, we do things successfully. We're faithful. But we are also sinners, and we come back next Sunday, and we say, Lord, forgive us for how we've messed up last week. <laughs> right? and, and like you said, Ted, we, we call in the name of Jesus as a memorial. Lord, remember your son and what he did for us. And we, we do the whole thing over again. So yeah. so that's the, the structure and the background to cover yeah. renewal. Yeah, I, I said that because I spent a lot of time in the, in the charismatic church, and in the charismatic church, it was the worship, and the sermon was like, yeah. Mm. Right, right, right. But yeah, my um, background is the sermon. Yeah, <laughs> in the reform. Church. But um, yeah, no, I, that I, that that that's that's very very good. And um, again, back to the back to the renewal part. Yeah, there is there are no more covenants. This one cannot be broken because the Lord has made the covenant with Himself. He's made the covenant with Jesus Christ, and He's the man. And so when we come together for renewal, it's because we've messed up during the week and then we come back and we come to Christ but there are more there there you know and 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 that's where Rome I think that's where a lot of the confusion is is that they re-sacrifice Christ as if the new covenant had been broken uh every week and that, yeah. that's the meaning of the mass anyway that Jesus is sacrificed every week and the, and we 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 oppose that um so one other aspect so yeah the 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 sin offering or purification offering the uh, ascension offering and the peace offering. For those of you that have, you know, read Leviticus and Exodus and get his, get confused, that's okay. It's confusing. But when you read them all together and you study them, there's basically three types of offerings. Um, even the tribute offering is a type or a part of the of peace offering, as Jonah right. said. That's why it's put on top of. They're slightly different, but the general categories are sin offering. Ascension offering and peace offering. And when they're all three together, they're always in that order. And another, and, and it, it's not always explicit in the Old Testament because not only did the old, not only did they often not do things correctly, <laughs> as we read in the Old Testament, they didn't follow the law of Moses, but also um, sometimes all three aren't always necessarily present. But at the feasts, they were. And one place you can read, one place you can read outside of Leviticus where all three are present is in Second Chronicles 29, mm. when Hezekiah rededicates the nation and rededicates the temple before uh, participating in the Passover, they do it in exactly that order. They get the sin offering done, so people are consecrated. They do the whole burnt offering, and then they do the peace offering at the end, and then Israel's ready. The nation of Israel is ready now to participate in the first Passover in however many, 
you know, however many decades and decades and decades. Um, one, one aspect about those offerings, too, I thought it would be good to mention was that after David, after the liturgical reforms of David and the establishment of the temple, the move from tabernacle, where the house of God is moving all over the place, to the temple where it's fixed in a fixed location, at the end, uh, during each of those sacrifices, um, the singers, the appointed singers would sing. So there would be songs after this, after the call, there'd be songs after the sin offering, there'd be songs after the ascension, songs after the peace offering, and songs uh, that you sang when you were getting ready to be commissioned or leave the service. And so that's what we do. We have, so one of the differences in covenant renewal worship to what we, maybe what we might call the normal modern worship in America is that we sing all throughout the whole service. We sing a lot. Right. <laughs> There's yeah. not just one yeah. section. Yeah. We load up a bunch. We sing after all. We sing in each in each uh, section of the five C's, uh, in praise to the Lord. So, well, I think I think part of that too is is in modern evangelical worship services where you're you're a consumer, um, and in God's practice of worship, you are participant. You're a participant. And this it. is our offering. Your offering. Um, yes, you're you offering yourself. And, and and ironically, uh, modern evangelical worship in that sense actually is very much similar to Rome, uh, because right. Rome Rome's worship yes. is you're a participant. You you are a yep. consumer. You're very passive. Yeah. Yep. The the priest, the priest does it. all the work. The the priest is the one that's doing the worship, and you're essentially just watch, watching what the the priest is doing, and you're not you're not participating. But in God's worship, the 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 whole congregation is participating um in in the worship as as a living sacrifice um well or or in, in, in the new testament you know romans 12 1 there's there is that uh we are we are all living sacrifices absolutely um, yeah we bring the I sacrifice of praise it's, it's all sacrificial language yeah yeah your your reference to the tabernacle of david you know in, in the jerusalem council in acts 15 when the when the leaders of the church at the time who all came out of the old covenant all the old covenant Jews who've um, become Christians, you know, they're, they're arguing, what do we do with all these Gentiles? And James says that uh, this is nothing but, and then he quotes Amos, Amos nine, the resurrection of the tabernacle of David. Yeah. <laughs> so he directly, he directly associates the, the new covenant status of Jew and Gentile together and the worship of the church, he says is the fulfillment of, of the tabernacle of David today, through the Son of David, Jesus Christ, yeah. and so all that, all the liturgics of Leviticus, all the singing reforms of David, you know, they're brought into the new covenant church yeah. uh, yeah. as a fulfillment that, of Amos nine. And that that that'll be for a different that'll be for a different podcast, perhaps. But the, we do have musical instruments. There there are groups out there that think musical instruments should not be in the service, but. Um, yeah. That connection to the liturgical reforms of David is absolutely important to worship uh, music and song and instruments. But um, but uh, lest I lest we get off on a tangent, let's stick get back to the structure. I had one other. I had one. We other love thing tangents. I wanted, huh? Can I? We love tangents. Okay. <laughs> uh, Go ahead, Chad. We have a question. Yeah, I, I know, and I know you're leading, so I know you're you're taking us. Uh, but I'm I doing do, such a good job leading. I know. <laughs> I do. I do have a. I do have a question, and that kind of um, that gets to 
maybe uh, concerns that, you know, some other Reformed Presbyterian brothers have with um, the idea of covenant renewal. Um, and that's that, you know, we've we've talked um, in this podcast episode about Christ as the fulfillment of the Old Testament um, entire uh, sacrificial system. He is the fulfillment of of that. And so um, one of the concerns, I think, um, that that brothers have with with the covenant renewal model is that um, if he is the fulfillment of those things, then how how is it that we use the Old Testament um, as a structure for New Testament worship when Christ has fulfilled that entire system? Um, ought we not look to the New Testament uh, and see what the New Testament gives us? And in the New Testament, there's much more simplicity um, to, to worship um, and the elements of worship that are there that are more fitted to a, a universal church and not just a, a, a church a, 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 in one, one nation, but a, a universal church that is gathering all throughout the world. So what, what, what are your guys' thoughts on, uh, on maybe that pushback and criticism? Um, or do you, do you find that convincing, convincing, or, or what are some, what are some, What's some pushback that you have even uh, heard from from other you know Reformed Presbyterian brothers against the idea of covenant uh, covenant renewal worship? Yeah. Well, any any initial comment, Jonah? I, I can comment. Go ahead. I've got something. Yeah. You first. Yeah. Well, first first of all, um, with the the idea of Christ's fulfillment, um, you know, uh, so. I guess on, I know this is obvious, but on a very obvious level, you know, obvious, we're not sacrificing animals. <laughs> right, right. Right. So, so, and, and, and our reform guys, you know, should be very well, uh, very well attuned to how, to the, to the, uh, the analogy of scripture, right? So the new Testament teaches us about the old, but then the old teaches us about the new. And so uh, what we just described in, ter in terms of how the offerings make their way into the new covenant is exactly that process. Part, part of the problem with building your worship service with only the New Testament, and I would say anything you do that's only the New Testament is probably not going to turn out right. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Any theology you build, if you only have the New Testament, you're going to struggle uh, because the New Testament teaches us, you know, gives us lenses to not only to understand what's happening there, but to understand the old. And then when we do that, the old helps us to actually better understand the new, right? So, and that's true of liturgy as well as what the, our Reformed brethren already believe, you know, in other areas of theology and practice and things like that. So if you strictly use the New Testament, I mean, you don't get much. Right. I mean, you can, you can, you can work in, you can't, especially with liturgy, you, you, there is, there is no liturgy. But you can make a case for sermons, probably. Yep. You the, can certainly the, make a the case reading, for sacraments. The reading of scripture. Reading of scripture. Probably. You can make a case for the reading of scripture, but where and how and what do you do with any of those things? Um, you know, uh, there, there's really no direction there. Um, and we also have, you know, 
just like I said about the old covenant saints, the new covenant saints didn't automatically just have an instantly mature worship service. I mean, the Corinthians are getting drunk. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, right, you'd so have to drink a lot of little cups of wine at our service to get drunk. <laughs> I'd be grabbing a whole bunch of those, you know. But, but you know, my, my point is, is that um, we need the old covenant in order to mature our service through the lens of the new. Of course, absolutely. And our reform guys, they know, you know, yeah, the law, they know that the, um, that when Jesus fulfills the law, that it's not abolished. Most of those guys, if they're reformed, they would hold to the three, you know, the threefold use of the law. Um, the, lo the law is still important and it's still active. So we're, I guess we're just tying that also to that same principle also to the liturgy. So go, Jonah, what were you going to say? Yeah, I think you're right, uh, Flynn. Yeah, I, I met recently someone who you know they want to be you know an acts only kind of church and since the churches church then was meeting in homes they think if you meet in a church building you're sinning right that's but that completely misses the point of the synagogues that they're meeting in <laughs> uh, and you just can't you can't develop a full orbed view of i mean even polity right um, right. You know, when Paul talks about elders and deacons, they came from somewhere. Yeah. Paul Paul did right. not make right. up. Yeah. Paul did not make up on his own the office of elder and deacon, but they came out of the law. Right. And so uh, we need to understand all those things. But also, you know, the book of Hebrews, is, I think, is just the case in point that Jesus being the fulfillment of all of those rituals is not the entire uh, the entire and complete abolish abolishment abolishing of those rituals. Right. Right. So Hebrews nine, I would point somebody there that had this kind of argument. Yeah, and, there's still a priest. We're still in a covenant. There's still a right. priest. There's, there's still a temple. There's still, still a temple. temple. Uh, there's still the blood of the new covenant, which is in the wine. Right. There's right. still all these things. And they still exist. And how are they to be administered? And then so Hebrews nine would be a good one. And then also 1 Corinthians 10, you know, uh, Paul says that uh, the experiences of Old Covenant Israel have been given as our examples, of which he says to the Corinthian church. And that's right before he talks about worship. Yeah, and communion in particular, yeah. Yeah, so how, how we, and everything being done decently and in order, like I said, and in Old Covenant Israel uh, and their standards of life are given as examples for us. And you you can't just, uh, and he does reference there, you know, the crossing of the Red Sea, but you can't mm -hmm. limit it to the crossing of the Red Sea. Right. Um, so just those kinds of principled matters, um, exegetical principles. That's that's kind of how I'd handle that question. Yeah. 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 And I guess that's, that's the biggest thing is just those guys, a lot of those guys know that stuff. Let's just consistently apply it also to our worship service. Um, so I, I want to, I want to go back to the structure briefly a little bit. There's another aspect of the structure that is important. We do, you know, um, another, another, uh, another nuance, uh, I guess, or not, that's not the right word perhaps, but another, um, a, another perspective from the word coming from the word covenant is that our, our service also, um, follows in general, the, the making of covenants in the scripture as well. So um, now, 
the making of covenants in the scripture, people have come up with, you know, slightly different, uh, slightly different aspects. Some have five, some have seven. Uh, but in general, when, when you talk about uh, how the ancient world made covenants and, then, and, how the, and how God made covenants with his people, they follow this general pattern. And the, the pattern of call being called, and if you can, I like to use the example of when a, it's called the, um, you know, when, when a, when a, when a greater nation conquers another nation and they enter into covenant with them, I use that as, as an example. And um, they would conquer the other nation and, and they would, they, they're now they're going to have a new relationship with this nation, right? And so what they do is they're going to make a covenant with each other. And the greater nation, the conquering nation, first calls everybody together and assembles them all together. And that's the call. And then, then they, they state what happened and the nature of their relationship. You guys are indebted to us. We have often, often the, the greater nation will say, we've saved you from your false gods and now you can worship our gods. Um, and, you know, but that's that second part of the service, stating the relationship. Let's get, let's get the nature of our relationship straight. And that, that corresponds with our confession of sin. Jesus has saved us from our sins. We are in need of him. Um, we need, we, and we're reminded of that in our confession of sin and we're submitted to him and that, that they do that in the covenant as well. And then the next step of the covenant making um, in the scripture would be that nation that would lay out the, the statutes and the guidelines of this, this new relationship. This is what you guys are going to do. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to protect you from all your enemies, but you guys are going to supply us soldiers people to do this, that, or the other thing, and tribute. We mentioned tribute. You're going to bring tribute to us in some way, shape, or form, um, which, uh, you know, that corresponds somewhat, you know, to the, it corresponds to the consecration part of our service where, um, you know, the word of God is, is um, highlighted. But yeah, the tribute offering, some people do it in different locations. We, we do it in the, in, the, uh, in the communion part as well, um, Jonah. Um, and then once those are all agreed upon, okay, hey, this is what's going to happen. Then they have a meal together. And that meal, that, that covenant meal is a, a, a statement of fellowship that we are no longer enemies. We're no longer at war with each other, but that we're, that we are one. We have fellowship with one another. And that corresponds obviously to our communion. And then, and then they're sent out to live in terms of that covenant. And so, uh, again, our covenant renewal worship not only does it follow the sacrificial um, understanding, you know, of of uh, drawing near to God, but it's also the pattern of covenant making uh, in the scriptures as well. Right. Um, so, anyway, wanted, yeah, that's very good. Throw that, throw that out there too. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really really good, really helpful. Um, yeah, getting kind of back to to um, Jonah, I think your answer was was really um good uh i'll be sorry i'm getting a phone call right now so just oh can uh, we listen in our listeners want to know <laughs> so uh i'm gonna you guys yeah. all right he's muted all right so it's just me and jonah now wow we got to carry the show without ted i don't <laughs> i think we should probably just end it we should just end the show <laughs> it's not, not even worth it now. well i only i only had one more uh 
Well, let's talk about some resources. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, the the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches has a document called the Book of Memorials, and Memorial G is on worship, and the word you know renewal is used in there, and so if anybody would be interested, I'll, I'll link that in the podcast description, and they can go and, and read what the CREC has to say about covenant renewal worship in Memorial G. And there's also, um, you know, the the definitive text by Jeff Myers called The yep. Lord's Service, which is a big chonker of a book, but it's just full of great biblical theology, uh, liturgical history. Uh, it's this is great. Have you guys both yeah. read it? Highly recommend. Oh, mine. Mine is falling apart. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 uh sticky noted, sticky noted, crumbled and wrinkly. I probably should just get another one. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So those two documents and I I created, you know, a couple maybe 3 years ago, we had an influx of Baptist families that became Presbyterian and they came out of the church service that was you know two three songs a sermon and then everybody goes home right you know 45 minutes or less and now they're in a church service that lasts an hour and a half <laughs> and there's details and um you know a higher form of liturgy and they and their kids are learning it which is great it only took a few sundays and the kids get it easy one of the tremendous benefits of the liturgy is the And so I would I would give a lecture, you know, a Bible study on covenant renewal, but not everybody could be there. And then there would be new people that came and you know, you can't give the same lecture every Wednesday night. Um so I wrote a liturgical catechism for the kids. And it's uh it's only it's only 20 questions long and I I thought if you guys were amenable to that I could put that as a PDF in the absolutely in the podcast description and it's you know question one why do we worship god answer we worship god because he made us for worship and we sing to him for praise and glory question two why do we worship god on the lord's day you know so it's just very mm -hmm. practical um and it walks through the order of service and the offerings of sin with scripture footnotes um and everything like that so so yeah those are the three yeah. resources that i Thought I'd offer up. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks, no, Ted. I think that's great. Yeah, Welcome that's back, great. Ted. Yeah. Hey. Well, so, so I, I'm. I can tie this. I can tie this in a little bit because we talked about early that um, part of uh, what you know the cut. So you know, modern evangelicals like to throw out the word relationship. Uh, we we have a relationship uh with the lord and that's true we do the bible tells us that relationship comes via covenant um that is that's what that relationship is and defined as is, is the covenant relationship um and part of that covenantal relationship that we have is that we we have special privileges um as as god's people and and that means that we we can call upon god's name and invoke uh god in his presence and invoke god to action and and that's that's part of what what is done in the service um in in the, the order of service and so um part of 
of the special privileges of being married is when your wife calls, when you're podcasting, you answer it. So um, I don't answer, I don't answer my phone for just anybody who calls me during <laughs> podcast, but when my wife does, I do. So, That's right. And, and you yes, have the sir. memorial, the memorial of your exactly, right yeah, the wedding finger. ring. Yes, exactly. Yeah, finger. It's not only to remind the world of who you are, but it's to remind you of who you are. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm glad you brought up marriage, though, because that is, you know, that that, that this whole aspect of what you're bringing up, Ted, um, the God uses marriage as the primary way from Genesis to Revelation to describe his relationship with us. And so marriage is, a, is, is absolutely perfect. Our relationship is covenantal. Marriage relationships are covenantal. Um, you make promises to each other in your vows and you have memorial of those vows and it's not wooden. It's not heartless. You love each other, right? Exactly. <laughs> so you, but you need both. Yep. You, you, you need that, you know, that you need that, that uh, connection, that intimacy with one another. But, but, you know, and our world thinks of our relationship with Jesus only in those ways, kind of like, you know, just, you know, people who aren't getting married, right? They just, they, they love me. I know I love that person or whatever. I have these emotional feelings towards that person. What do I need the covenant for? And then on the other, the other ditch is you have covenants. Oh, it's so it's so dry and wooden and so unfeeling. No, 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 no. The marriage relationship brings both of those things together. Uh, so our relationship, absolutely. We have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with Jesus. It's, it's a covenantal relationship. <laughs> yep, it's a exactly. loving covenantal relationship, just right. like marriage. Amen. So, yeah, good stuff. I'm glad you brought that up. Because our liturgy, too, and if people, anybody's come to our three churches, uh, and those that are there, I hope I hope those that are members of our congregation, I hope you'll agree. Um, you know, liturgy, if you talk about it just broadly speaking to folks, they're going to think Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodox, Anglican, they're going to think, oh, my, a bunch of guys walking around home, everybody you know going through the motions you know and like when is this going to be over are we done yet kind of a thing and our liturgy is not that <laughs> yep. it's it's uh you know it's alive and and vibrant and and i think you mentioned earlier ted we we often will take a moment and describe remind ourselves what we're doing in each aspect of the service you know, here we are at the call again. Hey, remember why we do the call? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not some wooden joyless ceremony. It's absolutely the opposite of it. So, um, or, you know, uh, anyway, yeah. So there it is. Liturgy. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It is. It is. It's it's uh, it's great to to uh, to do it. And there is something to be said too about just routine, um, right? um we we don't we don't think about most of the stuff that we do on a day-to-day basis we just do it um our 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 bodies and brains and and are wired to to be routine to to be in routine um to be in a daily liturgy um and really the 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 liturgy of the lord's service really ought to be no different It, it it should be um routine to know that god calls us to worship that we confess our sins that he constitutes us by his word that we commune with him and then we are constant and then we are 
um, sent mm -hmm. out into the world. Commission. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> Try yeah, to remember yeah. the others. The last C there. Um, you can change them. We're not tied to this. You don't have to. You could come up with a different one if it's better. <laughs> It is, it is nice to have that uh, alliteration, though. Um, yeah, and uh, so. the ones that I find in a congregation that enjoy the liturgy the most are the children. Yep. And right. they know what to expect. They they know their parts. They know what to do. They know how to worship. Um, and uh, anecdotally, when my family and I would go on vacation, we visit a, a different church. They'll say, Dad, when do we confess our sins? Or they'll say, Dad... Why is everybody leaving church? We haven't had communion yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, there's an expectation of what the worship of the Lord, the, you know, the robustness and the fullness of it should look like. And uh, and the kids just love it. And it it's really not a detriment to them at all. And it helps, helps the children stay engaged um, with the service because, like you said, Ted, they're participants. Yeah. They're not passive. So. We have, we have a part in our service where we all raise our hands together. And I have a little thing that I say every lord's day and uh all the adults wait for me to finish what i'm saying but as soon as we as soon as we stand and i start speaking all the kids they just, the hands are already up <laughs> yeah yeah even even they little infants, toddlers <laughs> yep yeah i think the repetition that's another aspect i know we probably we need to cut it cut it off here but i, I i'll mention that one one more time because it's so important when people think about um doing I mean, we, we change things, but there are things that we do, you know, repetition um, is one of the things that people often criticize about liturgy, doing the same thing over and over. And um, but what you said, Ted, is not is not only important for everyday life, but also if you want to be good at anything. Right. It's repetition. If you if you are a musician, if you're excellent at some sport, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, repetition is essential for you to get excellent at what you do. And none of us, because of our fallen human nature, none of us are automatically excellent at worship. <laughs> it doesn't come naturally to us at all. And the fact, if you've memorized the Apostles' Creed, and that's that's not a bad thing. That's a good right. thing. You know, a good we just thing. we just need to be reminded. You know, we need to be reminded. Sure, it's important because it's important just to go back and go. Oh yeah, no, this is. This is what I mean when I'm saying this, but yeah, memorize it. That's awesome. Uh, memorize those things. It's it's absolutely important. And so, yeah, um, repetition. And that's the old, you know, if you guys in classical Christian schooling, right, the old Latin phrase, repetitio mater studiorum, repetition is the mother of learning. You know, it's how we learn. Right. So, yeah, yeah. you're never going to mature your worship service if people come and they have no clue what's going to happen. <laughs> So yeah. anyway, yeah, I, I only right. one, one more thing third. to say. One more thing. Can, I, can we just finish with this maybe? Yes, let's yep, finish let's with that. Yeah, uh, what, what I want to emphasize now at the end here is that the covenant renewal worship form, the liturgy that we have, um, everything that we do is a response to what God has done for us. Right. The, the covenant renewal worship is a liturgy of grace, you know, from beginning to end. God is the one who calls us into his presence. And we don't we don't get to march in on our own accord, but we appear before him because he graciously calls us to himself. He's the one who graciously forgives us because he's the one who made the way of forgiveness. Right. That's his gift to us. Yep. Then as our father, he graciously instructs us in how to live. You know, you, you are you are my children. 
and here is what you do so that it may be well with you. Right? That That's, we receive his word. He's our father. Then grace on top of grace, you know, he, he assures us of all those promises. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And then he gives you Christ. You receive the bread and the wine. But not only we are given to Christ and Christ is given to us. Right? And that's, that's all God's favor. We didn't, we didn't do that. <laughs> he did that for us. Um, and then God sends us out into the world with his blessing, with his benediction. You know, as go forth in the favor of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as you seek first his kingdom and righteousness. Right? We belong to him. Um, so, And everything we do in the service is a response to all of those things. And so the covenant renewal worship is our, is like a weekly reminder that we love God because he first loved us. Right? Amen. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That's awesome. That's a great place to stop. Yeah. Can I can I add one last little thing? We're gonna yes. yeah, we're gonna keep doing one more thing. I'm one a terrible little... leader now. I just let you guys just keep yelling. Just let us do no, it. No, only like, Go ahead, Jed. this just popped into my as I was listening to to Jonah, like all I kept thinking was how like earthy these things are. Mm -hmm. Um, like I, I think there's this weird thought process of like a kind of set like spiritual um um you know mystic mystical element to to worship but as i was listening to you all of it sounds so earthy like um like relevant to us now like yeah, absolutely our our living it's it, it's so in tune to, to to how we live our life like i it's a real relationship, need, right? It's actually so, a real relationship. It's real, it's real relationship. It's 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 real. It's it's for the now. It's for the world that we live in now. Like I need repetition. I need uh, to be reminded uh, mm -hmm. that I'm a sinner and, and that I need to confess my sins. I need my sins to be forgiven. I need to hear God's word. I need to, right. Like I need all of that all the time, every day um and, and and then and then on sunday in this in a special and particular way on sunday so um uh, so thanks joan I, I i appreciated that um that that reminder of of god's uh fatherly goodness and, and grace towards us in christ yeah good. all right guys hey good stuff good stuff all right well until next time this is sword and song. And actually, I'm not in control of stopping. So you guys, it's up to you guys to stop our recording. So, right? You can just kick us out. Yeah. I can, yeah, I can kick you out, but I can't stop it. Right. I see it. See you next time, guys. Yep. God bless. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy sword and song, please share and subscribe. We encourage you to send your comments and questions to sword and song at protonmail.com. See you next time.